Divorce is not fun. Difficult time, emotional time, uncertain time. Been there. You need guidance. You need counsel. You need accurate information and great professionalism and understanding. And you'll find it without question at one of the top family law firms in the region in Cox, Baker and Page. That's Cox, Baker and Page. They've been recognized in a number of publications for their excellent work in the area of family law. They're compassionate and thorough in guiding you through a tumultuous period. Their work has been routinely recognized for its excellence. U.S. News and World Report, for instance, consistently award Laura Page and Mary Cox best lawyer distinctions. If you or someone you know is looking for counsel, reach them at coxbakerandpage.com. That's coxbakerandpage.com. Mention you heard it from me and receive a discount on your initial consultation. Love my Boyer's Coffee. Great way to start the day. Great way to give yourself a little extra boost and know that you're uh, supporting a great local company. And they've been a local company for a long time. 1965 is when they were born. They're the legendary Rocky Mountain Roaster, and they have a ton of great flavors. And uh, it's easy easy to come by. BoyersCoffee.com is where you'll find all of their products online. And you can, do as I do, have it delivered right to your front door very quickly. Or if you prefer, you can find it in your local grocery store as well. They're the proud partner of the Colorado Rockies. And uh, here's a fact about Boyer's Coffee. Boyer's always has, when you go online, great deals going, great promotions. And I like to tell people if they're up on the north side, 73rd in Washington, you'll find their food truck. And they, too, have great promotions, great eats to go with the uh, wonderful coffee. That's BoyersCoffee.com. BoyersCoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols. You have to enjoy every gift, you know, that you get on this earth because uh, we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. So I think uh, for me, it's something that I always being enjoy, uh, you know, every opportunity that I'm getting. Albert talks about his career, his teammates, and his appreciation for the game. Also, Drew has some thoughts on the World Series and CSU head football coach Steve Adazio. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is show number 120. 120, and we come to you from the road I've been back east for uh, the better part of a week now, working on uh, another several days back east. Flew into New York uh, initially, spent uh, some time in the city, which I adore the city. You know what? One of my favorite songs is uh, Billy Joel's New York State of Mind. Many of you know I grew up um, you know, in the New York metropolitan area, just north of the city in Westchester, and I get uh, in a New York state of mind. I need a New York fix. Love the city. And because of COVID, uh, I hadn't been back in the better part of two years. Usually, you know, you're there in the summer when the Rockies play the Mets and usually try to sneak in at another occasion uh, as well. Uh, but because of COVID, I had not been back in two years. It was wonderful to be in the city. I threw something out on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you know, running in the park, one of my favorite things to do. I'm, I'm a runner, and I love to uh, – there's no better run than, than Central Park. In fact, I think my two favorite parks to run in in the world, at least of the places that I've been, 
Central Park in New York and run around the reservoir, and then I usually exit on the uh, on the east side, on the Fifth Avenue uh, side by the Plaza Hotel, but I was staying on the west side this time, so I was going out by Columbus Circle, but we had great weather, man, it was awesome. The other park I was going to mention, Stanley Park in Vancouver, B.C., gorgeous, right out there on the water, you run around Stanley Park, um, awesome, awesome stuff, get such a natural high out of that. Um, and, and the city was vibrant. It's good to see people out again and, and businesses uh, doing commerce. And a lot of restaurants during COVID have, like everywhere, have opened more outdoor seating. And, and in some places, parking spaces were taken away. And you, you know, you kind of dined out on the street. But um, that meant a lot to be back uh, in New York and, and then eventually see family and stuff like that. Also, took the time. I, I had been to... Lower Manhattan and the World Trade Center area. Actually, just you know, a couple of months after the attacks, and you know, saw all the you know the devastation and the writing, uh, you know, on the wall for triage and and um, you know how they were trying to organize things with the first responders. And I'd been down there since, but I had not been back to see the marvelous tribute, the the 9-11 museum, the reflection pools where literally the South and North Tower stood, and for such a monumental undertaking and, and how important that is to all of us, not just New Yorkers, but to Americans, they did, I thought, a, a marvelous job of, of capturing and honoring all of the folks, nearly 3,000 that we lost on 9-11. It was, it was moving. The tributes outside and inside the 9-11 museum, outside by the reflection pools with the name of each person, uh, but they were highly personal. You can click on a person and, and learn about who they were and their interests and family members and their pictures I, I really thought it was, you know, at times stirring, but it was appropriate. So I did that. I took that in and um, had some great meals. And then I made my way down to see uh, a buddy and his family, very, very close friend of, of mine, down in Richmond, Virginia. So I drove down, uh, and it's about six hours, left uh, New York, it was pouring rain by the time I got uh, to the D.C. area, the sun was shining, and then a couple hours south of there to, to Richmond. It was a beautiful day, and it's nice to be in the car. It's nice um, to just drive and let your mind wander. You can get some deep thinking done, you can listen to the radio, you can listen to Sirius, you can listen to podcasts, but it relax. I don't know about you, but it relaxes me, and so I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And it's and it's been fun being down in Richmond. That's where uh, this show is emanating. So now let's talk sports. And uh, I'll start with the with the Rockies briefly. Uh, saw where they made a couple of moves on the coaching staff. Uh, Jeff Salazar, who was an assistant hitting coach the last couple of years, and Tim Darty uh, removed from the major league staff, uh, at least as of. Uh, this gathering, not sure if they're going to stay with the organization or not. Dave Magadan remains uh, the lead hitting coach, if you will. Steve Foster, who's been the pitching coach for a number of years now, is going to take a 
a, a role overseeing uh, pitching throughout um, the organization. Daryl Scott, who was a bullpen coach, and prior to that, um, working in the minor leagues at the AAA level, and he's touched a lot of these guys. In fact, he's touched all these guys. Certainly, he was on the big league staff uh, last year. He's going to take over as the pitching coach, well thought of, um, and uh, so you know that that will be a change. I think it's important uh, in baseball sometimes to hear new voices, and uh, I have the utmost respect for Jeff Salazar and Tim Darty. They're good baseball people, and it, this is not reinventing the wheel. Uh, when you get to the highest level, when it comes to hitting, you're going to have, you know, th- there's not going to be new philosophies. There's going to be tinkering. There's certainly going to be guys that um, are able to communicate in a certain way that resonates with individual players and other players. You know, they may gravitate to somebody else. Um, it- it's almost a personal thing. But you're not going to take uh, the career 220 hitter who has slugged 360 in their career. I don't know how long you stay in the big leagues if you have those two sets of numbers, but you're not going to take that guy and all of a sudden some hitting coach is going to make him you know, a 285 hitter slugging 500. That typically does not happen. Uh, even use Dave Maganin, who was a tremendous hitter in his own right and has been coaching for a long time. You know, He was with the Padres many years ago, some success, and then Padres were having a, you know a down year. He gets you know fired. Next year he shows up in Boston. Boston has a great run uh, for several years. I think a lot of times it's attached to who is in that dugout, who is trotting out there and batting you know one two three four five six in your lineup. If those guys are typically pretty good, you're going to get you know solid results. And, and I do think periodically, as I said earlier, you, you need new voices, you need a different voice, and that's not unusual in coaching, particularly uh, in baseball. Kevin Long, by the way, I just saw he, he moved to, to Philadelphia, and Kevin Long has, has always been uh, you know, looked upon as top of the food chain when it comes to hitting instructors. He's had teams that hit, and he's had some teams that didn't hit. And again, a lot of times it's who's populating the dugout as to how good you're going to be offensively. I want to talk about the Dodgers for a moment. They got eliminated, and and it just, the reason I want to talk about them, it speaks to how difficult it is in baseball, really in all sports, but how difficult it is to win a championship. So the Dodgers, what, they won eight straight division titles, they win 106 games, and they they don't win the division title this year, they win the wild card. Uh, they end up uh, eliminating the Dodgers, or excuse me, the Giants, who who finished a game in front of them, of course, in the National League West. But they don't win at all. Did injuries finally catch up to them? Quite possibly. You know, they, they didn't have Muncie in the postseason, uh, and, and then they lost Clayton Kershaw before the postseason. Uh, they lose Justin Turner during the postseason. Max Scherzer, you know, was dealing with a dead arm, though he was going to pitch a Game 7, had the Atlanta series gone to a Game 7. To me, the postseason, even though they have the best roster, they weren't healthy enough in the end, and it's also about the hot team. So you look at that eight, nine-year period for the Dodgers, and they're not done. You know they're going to be in the middle of it next year and the year after, in all likelihood. But they've won one championship. And that came after the abbreviated season of 2020. For all of the greatness, individually and collectively, and for all of the regular season wins, they've won one championship. And now the Braves, as we speak, you know, are one up 
on the, the Astros after last night's victory in Game One of the World Series, and the Astros, excuse me, and the and the Braves when they had that fourteen year run of winning fourteen straight division titles, they won one championship, one World Championship in '95, and this was a team on August fifth that was below five hundred, and they may win the whole damn thing. It truly, truly is about getting hot at the right time. One other note on the Atlanta Braves. Around the trade deadline, we talk trade deadline. Everywhere they talk trade deadline of of people that uh, are involved in Major League Baseball. We do it on this podcast. And so often the trades don't uh, end up amounting to much in terms of impacting the win-loss column or ultimately where that team finishes. Look no further than the Yankees. They made a huge splash in late July. Brian Cashman was uh, uber busy, right? They pick up Anthony Rizzo. Didn't end up moving the needle a lot. Joey Gallo, not good numbers when he came from Texas. Big, big names. They won the trade deadline news, if you will, but it didn't make a, a, a huge impact at the end of the day. Look at the Atlanta Braves, kind of under the radar. I mean, they they retooled their entire outfield. Jock Peterson comes over. Check. How many big hits has he had already in the postseason? Eddie Rosario comes over. Hadn't been performing well in Minnesota. Look what Eddie Rosario's done. All postseason. Maybe the MVP, ultimately, uh, if you picked one uh, of the postseason. Adam Duval goes back to Atlanta. He'd been with Miami. Another guy that mashed in the second half. Hit a ton of long balls. The Braves won 44, their final 66. And who am I leaving out? Jorge Soler comes from Kansas City. Ends up hitting a, he starts the World Series out. Get you know Coming off the COVID list with a home run. So their moves were not as sexy as... Some other teams, the Dodgers, they went and got Max Scherzer, and Scherzer was great. Scherzer was unbelievable for the Dodgers. Trey Turner continued to do his thing. Um, The Dodgers, I thought, improved their roster more than anybody. But guess what? They ain't going to win the World Series. The Atlanta Braves may very well end up winning a World Series, and they were really busy at the trade deadline. And as we look back, Alex Anthopoulos may have won the trade deadline derby, though it wasn't written as such in late July. It was all about what the Dodgers did. It was all about uh, what the Yankees did for the most part. Other news from baseball this week. It appears a a foregone conclusion that they're not going to be able to um, come to an agreement before December 1st, uh, the owners and players uh, to create a new collective bargaining agreement. I don't think this is a great revelation. Uh, you don't put forth your best hand until something's at stake. And December 1st is not going to push the needle enough in each of those rooms. When it comes time to actually missing games and missing revenue if you're on the owner side, paychecks if you're on the player side, that's when you start to reveal your best hands. So I'm not going to be overly concerned. I have concern, but I'm not going to be overly concerned until into January. 
And if it's January 7th, the 10th, 12th, and we're still talking about they haven't come together and they're just throwing darts at one another publicly, that will be a big, uh, that'll be a big message that they may not be able to get the thing done in time for spring training to start on time. And that would be an enormous mistake. An enormous mistake. You got to read the room sometimes. And the room is the baseball lovers around the country and losing some of them. There's a lot of different places one can go for your for your entertainment. People are hurting coming out of COVID, still dealing, dealing with COVID. A lot of people continue to be hurt financially. And even for the ones that are not, people are tired of the proverbial millionaires and billionaires who can't split up a 10 plus billion dollar a year industry. And as I've said many times, there's blame to be, you know, thrown about on both sides if that is the point that's reached. You know, if they can't come to an agreement, you lose games. You just can't do it anymore. You cannot do it. This is not the 70s where, oh, they'll come back. And as you, many of you know who followed the history of baseball and um, when there have been work stoppages, there, you know, there was a period between 72 and 95 that there were eight work stoppages. That ain't going to work anymore in this day and age. You will do truly irreparable damage if you can't come to the bargaining table, come to an agreement, uh, and have spring training per norm, and, and certainly have the season per norm. You cannot revisit 94 uh, again. I, I don't know what the sport would look like on the other side if that were to take place. But again, I'm not going to panic right now. I do think cooler heads uh, will prevail, and uh, and they'll come to some agreement. Um, it's not going to happen on uh, clearly probably by December 1st, but hopefully it is within a reasonable time frame to begin 2022 uh, at per normal. More on that uh, as we get closer. I'm excited about um, about this particular show. I'm excited about all the shows. Uh, I enjoy doing this podcast. I enjoy sitting down and, and talking to um, athletes, coaches, sometimes media members. Um, and uh, that's why all of you hopefully uh, uh, jump on board. Well, our guest today, as you know, is Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols, for the last 21 years, has been great. And I don't throw around superlatives. Albert Pujols will go down if he never picks up a bat again. And I know the first part of his career was better than the Anaheim portion, the Cardinal portion. But he will go down as one of the greatest of the greats, truly. And the numbers back that up, in case you have forgotten. Third all-time in RBIs. All-time. Not third all-time on the you know Cardinals list or third all-time on the Angels list. Third all-time. Fifth all-time in home runs. Fourth all-time in total bases. Twelfth all-time in hits. Fourteenth all-time in runs. Fifth all-time in doubles. Great. His first ten years, ridiculous. And we'll talk more about that on the other side. But Albert Pujols... And I sat down in the Dodger dugout 
a few weeks ago, late in the regular season, as they were getting ready to embark on, they were still chasing the Giants then, but embark on the postseason. And, uh, you know, he was in a reflective mood. I've always enjoyed my conversations with Albert, and uh, I, I think he is uh, uh, as humble a, a superstar, true superstar, as uh, I've ever been around. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation with the incomparable Albert Pujols. It's brought to you, as always, by Ideal Home Loans. Albert was in St. Louis, 328 average over those 11 years, 40 home runs a season. He hooks this one in the air to deep left field. Albert Pujols in St. Louis again. You can't write this stuff. How much fun are you having? You look like you're having a ball. Well, definitely, you know. Uh, you know, another opportunity, you know, to wear a big league uniform and just try to take advantage every day and enjoy it, you know, enjoy my time. As you know, I mean, you play this game for so long, but uh, you only have such a short time, you know, to make it to the postseason and having another opportunity, you know, to be in the playoff uh, is pretty awesome, you know, and playing them for a contender team in September. When you were back with St. Louis, did you ever, did you always have that philosophy or did you think, hey, man, this is going to last forever? For a lot of people, you know, this has lasted for a long, long time for you. But did you realize it when you were young? Well, I think that's something, you know, that the Lord is giving you the opportunity and you have the ability and the talent that he's given you. And you just have to enjoy and uh, work hard and uh, your dedication and be around good teammate, good player, great organization. And. You have to enjoy every gift, you know, that you get on this earth because, uh, you know, we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. So I think for me, it's something that I always being enjoy, uh, you know, every opportunity that I'm getting and just try from that opportunity to try to encourage other guys and help other guys, you know, uh, with the wisdom that I that I think I have in the gang and whatever question that they have, you know, hopefully I have the answer if I don't. Yeah. I try to make them understand. So I think at the end of the day, you know, I just having fun and enjoy. I think sometimes, you know, we take this game so serious and, and you okay. know, and, okay. and, and we lost the focus and that you still have to enjoy and have fun. Even though we get paying, it's our job. Uh, but you still have to go out there and have fun. When things worked out with the Dodgers, as you can reflect on it now, how perfect was that opportunity for you? I mean, obviously, you didn't have to change homes, but you're also going to an organization that just won a world championship, ridiculously talented. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for me, it was, uh, you know, I never thought that I was going to have this opportunity, uh, you know, getting a call from the Dodgers, you know, an organization that, as you know, uh, their reputation has been uh, outstanding, you know, through the history. Uh, now that I'm on this side, I can see why, you know, just the preparation and the way that everybody goes at it, you know, uh, it's really professional. And uh, from the top to the bottom, you know, and I think that's something that, that uh, I see over the last three and a half months coming here. And now, you know, going into Dodger Stadium for the last 20 years, I see why they had the success that they have, you know, and I'm glad that I'm on this side now. How gratifying has it been for you to perform as well as you have? Because, you know, as great as you've been, Albert, Mm -hmm. when you reach a certain age, people always say, well, Father Time's finally caught up, right? And yet you've gone out and performed at at a very high level again. How gratifying has that been? Well, for me, you know, a lot of people, hey, they're going to have their opinion and and say whatever they want to say. I think at the end of the day, you need to trust yourself and know, uh, if you are capable to continue to play this game and, and, and do this game and I think for me it's that I think I still 
uh, the opportunity, and I think I have uh, the the talent, I think, and the gift. Maybe I know the same player that I was from 2001 all the way to 2015, whatever it was. But I think, uh, you know, I still I think I can contribute. And, for our organization to give me this opportunity, I think they believe also in me, and I think that's pretty awesome. And I don't have to prove anybody anything. I just have to enjoy the game, have fun, and you know, whenever I get the opportunity to play, just do the best that I can, you know, to contribute, whether I'm in the bench or whether, like last night, come and pinch hit, you know, and get a base hit. So, I think that's the most important thing, you know, and stay focused. You know, you know, at the end of the day, people are going to criticize, people are going to say things you know about you I mean they talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ you know who gave his life for us so I mean who am I to say that nobody can talk about me so I I try to block all that stuff and just really focus on the things that I need to do and that's to come every day to the stadium and prepare myself you know to help this organization and this ball club to win I see you put your arm around younger guys all the time. Was that was that hard for those guys initially? You know, the Will Smiths, the Gavin Luxes, to approach you, or did you break the ice with them? I don't think so. I think we both uh, broke the ice at the same time. I think you know, I made sure coming into this organization, I didn't come here to change anything. I came here just to try to help, and I believe that I that um that I believe that I can do that and help this organization. I mean, they were in a good place, you know. They just hired me, you know, and it, it came it, it, it fit perfect for both of us. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's, uh, like you said, those young guys, they're the future of this organization and the face of this, of this Major League Baseball. And I think my goal as a professional athlete, just the same way that I have, you know, Daryl Kyle back in 2001, Mark McGuire, Woody Williams. Mike Martini, J.D. Drew, Placido Folanco, Ergen Renteria, and I can name you the list on and on. Then the later on, Reggie Sandy, Larry Walker. You know, those guys did that for me and embraced me. And that's the same thing that I can pass along to this guy because I know how the way that they embraced me helped me to be myself and to have the performance that I can have in the field. And I think that's really important, you know. And, I, and I'm not saying because I know. It's just the experience that I have gone through over my 20 years uh, as a professional athlete so i think my job here as a veteran guy is to try to ensure that to them you know i here i'm here to help you out to talk about anything live base or whatever you want just let me know and my goal is to try to be available for those guys yeah you you answered a question i was going to ask you who were your mentors when you first arrived in st louis you mentioned walker obviously special name here he's having his number retired next week went into the hall uh, a week or two ago. How neat was that for you to see him go in? And what, what were your recollections of, of him when he arrived in St. Louis? Really awesome. Larry, you know, just play against him and have the opportunity, you know, to have him in St. Louis in 2004. It was in you know, 05. It's uh, really special, man. Larry, uh, great player, great athlete, but better human being. And when you got that time to spend, you know, uh, time with now a Hall of Fame like that that I have especially early in my career you know I remember coming here from 2001 until you know he became my teammate uh, you know just just the way that he go out of man and play the game hard all the time and he taught me so much just in that shorter time that he was with me in St. Louis and we had success together you know but uh, I'm so happy for him uh, well deserved uh, pay off of a great career uh, representing his country and also, you know, representing his family and representing, you know, the Colorado Rocky, the Espos, the San Luis Cardinal, different organization that he played. 
uh, I'm so so happy for him. You know, uh, I was one of those guys they call him. You know, uh, when he got elected to the Hall of Fame, and I think uh, you guys are gonna have a blast. You know, I think this weekend coming up uh, with him. You know, I'm just so grateful uh, that God have given me the opportunity. You know, to be around Larry because I learned so much from him. What are your memories of playing against Helton? You guys played the same spot. I'm sure you guys hung out a little bit at first base. Yeah, On yeah, the occasion, yeah. you only hit singles. Yeah. Todd was uh, pretty special. Todd was a guy that was really serious, uh, never took anything for granted. Uh, Todd was a guy that, you know, yes, you only can probably get two words out of him because he was so focused in the game and, and he took things so serious and had one of the sweetest left-hander swings that I've that I seen and this game and uh, me, uh, it's pretty special, man. He had a, you know, an unbelievable career. Uh, and I think, you know, those numbers that he put uh, around the league cannot be ignored. So uh, just a great time, great competitor. And I think we had great battles, you know, against each other. And uh, it's, it's pretty awesome, you know, that I came into an era and I'm pretty much the last man standing, you know, from those guys from 2001 to now. Uh, they play against those guys, so it's uh, this is really special, you know, really special people, and like I say, blessed to have an opportunity to play around great, great players, you know, that I watched play, uh, you know, before me. More with the great Albert Pujols in a moment, but first this for Ideal Home Loans. Tell you every week, if you're looking to save money, if you're looking to adjust your interest rate, refinance, Look no further than Ideal Home Loans. They've been in business in our market for more than 20 years. They're locally owned and operated by Brent Ivinson. And uh, I've used them on multiple occasions. I've sent a number of friends in their direction. They take wonderful care of you. And uh, everybody I've sent them has been pleased. I know a lot of people who've gone back, as I have, uh, on multiple occasions as well. Their phone number is simple, 303-867-7000, 7,000. You may be consolidating debt or you may be looking to find extra dollars for a project around the house. I would suggest giving them a call. Get a second opinion, even if you think that uh, you can't get any lower than the rate you have. Doesn't hurt to pick up the phone. 303-867-7000. It's Ideal Home Loans. Again, 303-867-7000. Every day I wake up, I look outside and I say, man, it's beautiful out. And man, are we lucky to live in Colorado. Autumn's here, the leaves have turned, which means that your backyard's probably got, uh, you know, some things that have to be cleaned up. And uh, I, I like to wait till the, the back part of autumn. You have, to, you have to always stay after the leaves, but, you know, I'm not going to rake them up every uh, moment that they uh, fall. But you know what you need? You need a blower from steel. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. Get online, look at their array of marvelous products, whether you're into a gas product, an electric product, or like me, you like battery-operated. They're going to help clean up that backyard. Uh, If you need a tree to come down, you need trimming, they have products for you. They have the best products on the market, period. And you know how easy it is? I said, go to steeldealers.com and you're going to find your dealer around the corner. I guarantee it because they have more than 10,000 dealers around the country. I really love their product. As I said, uh, I have a garage full of them. And now is a beautiful time of year to get yours so you can clean up your uh, backyard and make it look uh, spiffy before the first uh, flakes start to fly. That's steel, S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. 
Now back to more with Albert Pools. You know, it's interesting. I'll tell you something Todd's told me. I, I asked him once, I'm going to ask you the same question. I said, of all the numbers you put up, you know, he, uh, 24, 2,500 hits, whatever it was, 300-plus uh, home runs, all, all the, you know, 1,000-plus RBIs. I said, what number are you most proud of? And he never hesitates, Albert. He always says, my dad taught me to be to, to hit to the off-gap, take the ball the other way, stay inside the baseball. He said, so the doubles, he had over 600 doubles. He said, that, without question, is the thing I'm most proud of. Your numbers you, are ridiculous. Last night, congrats, by the way, 2150 to uh, the, the RBI you had. Is there a, a group of oh, numbers? Oh, come on, RBI is overrated right now. <laughs> oh, right. See, I'm old school, man. I don't go there. No, that's what they right? say. No, I, no, I don't buy any of that. So somebody's got to knock them in. Just because they're out there, somebody's got to knock them in. Is there is there a number that is, is a particular uh, you know particularly special to you? Yeah, I think you know the three thousand. Uh, you know, to be able to be part of the immortal list of the three thousand club, is, uh, I think for me it's really special. That's a lot of hits. Uh, you know, especially for you know, I didn't consider my power. My I still don't consider myself as a power hitter. I call myself a land rider with power. You know, and just because I had the ability to drive the ball. Um, you know, I'm able to be the only player in Major League Baseball history to hit 650 homers, 650 doubles. You know, that's you look around and you're like, wow. You know, out of 20 some thousand players that have come through the big leagues, and I'm and I'm the f- number one in the list. That's crazy. But you know, I think uh, you know the the, the 3,000 hits is really special. I think another thing is the batting average. You know, the 3,000, the 300. Uh, barring average, that's something that I always, you know, focus. Obviously, now it dropped down in my career. I think I'm 298, 297 uh, of my career, but which is still great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but you know, I think if it's one something that that, that I really enjoy is that getting into the 3,000 uh, uh, hit, hit club, you know, 3,000 hit club, and. You know, when it's an era, you know, that right now you strike out 200 times and people celebrate it, you know, which for me, uh, that's something that I always, I was always against, you know, the strikeout. I always believe that when you're a guy that strike out a lot, you you hurting your team twice. But if you guys put the ball in play, even with two out, you put the pressure on the defense. And how many times have you seen with two outs and an error that another team take advantage, score three or four or five runs, you know, and start a rally? So for me, that's something that... That you know that I always focus on. You know, try to put the ball in play. Try to give toughs are bad. I strikeouts are meant for for the players. You know, but I think that's something that that you can control and and, and help yourself out. You would know this because you're playing. But there's been so many times up there on television that I mentioned you, Helton also. Guys who hit the ball out of the ballpark, guys who hit the ball in the gap, but they didn't punch out. Mm-hmm. And and the games change, and, yeah, and that it happens. It it doesn't... It's a new era, and we have to accept it. You know, it is what it is. I think 10 years from now, you know, if we're still alive and we come around and, and uh, bump into each other, we're going to see a different era of baseball, you know. And, and it's okay, you know, I think. But that doesn't mean that the way that I grew up playing the game and approach against it, the approach that has it that I, that has helped me to have the success that doesn't mean that I had to change it you know and uh, it's crazy because we were in Cincinnati and on Sunday Castellano asked me hey are you still have the same routine that you have since your day one and I'm like of course you know why change it I don't blame my routine I blame my injuries you know for 
uh, you know, some of my failure over the last couple of years, you know, and now being healthy, I'm able to get into the weight room, do the things that I'm capable of doing, moving around better, where before, man, I mean, when I went to Anaheim, I had seven surgery out of nine. That's, that's, that's pretty tough, you know. And in a in spare of nine and a half years, but you know what? I don't. I don't look in the negative things. I look. Uh, you know, even the negative thing. I try to get something positive. So I, I really enjoy. You know, the challenge and uh, and the success uh, because at the end of the day, it's gonna make me not just a better player, but a better person. I remember Tulowitzki telling me he he learned his routine, some of his routine from you. I think it may have been an all-star game. Yeah. You know, your T-Work deal? Yeah. Oh, the T-Work, yeah. That's something that right now people don't use as much, but that's, that is that is my two-go. You know, I love the the T still. I think, you know, because it's something that you put up on that T and it's not moving. You want to work on something. Uh, you don't have to blame the guy throwing you soft that. You blame yourself, you know, if you don't put that perfect swing that you're looking for. So I think when I'm working on something, when I feel that, that I'm jumping at the ball. That's a, a T-drill that I like to do that I have, and I have it for 21 years now, you know, since so I've been in the big leagues, you know, and that's something that I that I enjoy and, and I love. And then if people ask me about my routine, I always share with them, you know, because I believe that you can just stick with the success and the wisdom you have. You have to pass it to others. So, uh, and that's something that I've done, you know, for, for my, my whole career. Right. I'll leave you with this twofold question. One, has this career exceeded your wildest dreams? And the second part would be, what what's the next chapter? And, and when would the next chapter start? Is there something left in the tank? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think the next chapter, I'm going to start with the second one. I think the next chapter, uh, you know, I'm going to take some time in the all season and revisit with my wife and my kids and some of my mentor people and, and see where we are. I think, you know, 21 years as a professional athlete with great success, uh, you know, uh, you just don't make a decision, you know, in one week and one month. You know, that's something that you have to discuss and, and sit down and really, uh, you know, wait until uh, you're done with the season. So that's why I, I don't have really that thing in my mind is because I think one thing is also because uh, I still respect the gang and I still have uh, I still focus in the season so for me that next chapter in my life is going to have to wait uh, you know with a lot of prayer and just have uh, the Lord to guide me with with the next thing in my life whether it's come back and play next year whether it's retire I don't even know you know so I don't even know to tell you the truth and I'm honest honest to God I don't even know what I want to do you know there's some things that I had talked to my wife and my kids but you know we haven't really conquered, like, hey, this is what we want to do. And then the other thing, I mean, you ask, uh, success, man, my career was just expectation, you know. I, I never imagined, couldn't even imagine uh, my career there was going to be like this. So it's been like this. I think, uh, you know, God really surprised us all the time, you know, because we asked for little things and he blessed us with many many other things in our life and you know to be able to accomplish you know world series ring championship ring uh you know biting title mvp all that stuff is great trust me that you just having your trophy case full of trophies awesome but i think you know for me having the experience you know to meet so many great people along the way you know for this 21 year journey that i've been having as a professional athlete that's to me is a special because those are the memories that you take with you. So I think, you know, the, first of all, I need to give credit to God, my family, you know, and my mentors and people there that has 
been there for me since you day one because I, if it wouldn't be uh, with them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't accomplish all these things that I have accomplished in my life. So yes, it's way beyond my expectation. I never thought, you know, that this young little boy out of the Dominican Republic, 13 round, 402 in the draft, was going to be able to do that. But that'll tell you, you know, perseverance. It tells you opportunities, you know, hard work, dedication, never take anything for granted, you know, no matter what kind of success you have. And that's, you You would ask me 21 years, 20 years uh, ago about when I got to the big leagues, if uh, if I still had the same mind, my, my, my approach to the game and the same way that I go at it was the same way that I was when I made my debut here in 2001. It has never changed. And, you know, and that's it. I, I really, really, it's been a really awesome career. It's been blessed. Um, I always use the illustration that if I have a thousand pages, blank and the Lord would have just say write your life what you think is going to be at 41 I wouldn't even come close to this journey so I give Hank all the glory all the credit and for myself man it just I just really just uh, taking advantage of every opportunity that I'm getting you know with three organizations that have been great for me and great people around me you know because you can't walk this journey Uh, by yourself, you know. I'm sure you have so many people in your life, you know, besides your family that they're, that you care about and that have been mentored to you, and, and that's how it's been for me. It's been a joy to watch you play from afar and a joy to, to get to know you a little bit over the years, Albert. Thanks, man. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Be blessed. Make sure you say hi to Todd and, and Walker, you know, when you see them. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So some things to ponder for a moment about Albert and his career. His first 11 years in St. Louis, arguably without parallel. He had an OPS plus, that's on base percentage plus slugging, park adjusted of 170. So he was 70% above what the average player would do for 11 years. He hit 445 home runs his first 11 years in St. Louis. To give you a little more perspective, let's just take his first 10 years. You say, was anybody better? Because I was wondering this. Was anybody better their first 10 years in the big leagues than Albert? Well, according to baseball reference, wins above replacement, Ted Williams, in his first 10 years, was 82.6 games better than a replacement-level player. 82, that's an average of better than eight games a year. You're winning eight more games because Teddy Baseball was playing for the Red Sox. Where's Albert on that list? He was at 81.4, second. Well, who else on the list, you're saying, right? Well, I'll answer that question. Willie Mays is next. And it's, I don't want to call it a distant third, but Albert's right there with Teddy Baseball, 81.4, Williams 82.6, Willie Mays 76.8. OPS plus during that period of time, the first 10 years, Ted Williams was 190. Albert was 172. Willie Mays was 158. Pretty remarkable. I've also uh, mentioned this before. 
Larry Walker, we celebrated him going into the Hall of Fame. Awesome stuff. I hope the same for Todd Helton, naturally. I, I think that there's a special key to a penthouse in the Hall of Fame, like where there's only a handful of guys that, that know the combination or get the key. Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Ted Williams, you know the names. Even of the greats, they're, they're at, at, a, at an even different level. Albert Pujols gets a key. He learns a special handshake. He's in the penthouse of Hall of Famers. So thanks again to Albert. Hey, here's a, here's a note you didn't know about him. You know his first year when he won Rookie of the Year back in 2001? Mark McGuire was still at first base, so he wasn't playing a ton of first base. He played and made 30-plus starts. He was fourth, by the way, in MVP in his rookie year. That first season, he made 30-plus starts at first, at third, in left field, and in right field. He was a multi-goal glover, ultimately, at first base. And, and there are many who study defense and would suggest and have the data to support this that he should have won, I think he won a couple, he should have won six or seven at first base. This is when he was still agile before the plantar fascia uh, issues and, and some of the other leg issues that uh, Albert has gone through. He wants to play again in 2022. And with the Dodgers, he was solid, a 759 uh, OPS. We'll find out if he, uh, if he does. If not, he finished his career in the on-deck circle as A.J. Pollock grounded out to uh, to short. Otherwise, uh, Albert was coming up. Remarkable player, uh, remarkable person, and it was a joy to watch him play and uh, and one of the great joys of my life also to have the privilege of, of being able to broadcast games uh, that he was involved with over the last two decades. Really quickly to football, uh, I know CU made a, a change with their, with their O-line coach, Okay, their offense, I know they have a lot of young players, uh, but the numbers that they've put up so far, it's inexcusable. And, and, it's, and it's really disappointing, to say the least. Uh, I got to scold Colorado State uh, as we tape this on a Wednesday, as I said, from Richmond, Virginia. I understand uh, Steve Adazio not letting players uh, talk to the media as they prepare for Boise State, and he's not talking to the media this week. Uh, upset about some of the coverage in the aftermath of the uh, the botched field goal at Utah State in Logan. You can't do that. Coaches always talk about accountability, handling adversity. Well, what better lesson and what better example as a leader is to step out in front of the media and, and say, you got to take the good with the bad. comes with life. And for players not to talk, I've never understood this. Even even for freshmen, say, so, well, we don't let the freshmen talk, or we don't let our player, we only let certain guys talk after a game. No. No. You have to be accountable. One of the great places for growth with college athletes, especially at the major college level, where they are being interviewed, where where there is, you know, media coming up and talking to athletes after a game, during the week, after practice. What a great lesson to learn how to express yourself, learn how to be um, candid without maybe creating bulletin board material for your next opponent. 
these are great life lessons. These guys, 99% of them, are not going to make a living playing the sport that they compete at in college. If we're talking about football, even at the major college level, most aren't going to make a living doing it. You are availed an opportunity not only to, to play at that level, but also, hey, to grow because somebody's putting a microphone in front of you. Don't limit those opportunities. Don't take those opportunities away. And don't, in turn, say, well, we're not talking to the media because we didn't like you know, an article written or what was said on talk radio in a given week. Man, that's life. Not everything's going to be positive. You may not agree with somebody's interpretation of how your team played or how a situation late in game was handled. But be an example by still dealing with the media who is, what? Ultimately a conduit to the fans at home. And if you want to keep a focus on your program, you want to keep interest in your program, you want to keep interest ultimately in your sport, you have to have the fans' involvement. And if you don't allow the fans behind the curtain a little bit or give you an idea of where you are in a given week and, and where what you're thinking and what you were thinking about in a game, you will lose fans. You will lose interest in your program. And I don't think you want to do that. All right. Time to get on out of here again. Big thanks to Albert Pujols. Thanks to all of you uh, for joining us as always. Make sure you uh, jump on with Patrick Lyons on the DNVR Rockies podcast. Uh, he brings five a week your direction. Uh, all the folks at DNVR, they cover all the sports in, in our region so uh, exceptionally well. So download all those podcasts and, and again, check out Patrick uh, on a daily basis. Uh, I'm with them uh, at least once a week uh, throughout the offseason as well. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, thank you, thank you again for joining us. Stay safe, stay well, and uh, we'll chat next week. 